All right, everybody. Welcome back to another Playing the Field. It is me, your host, Andrew Fremont Smith, returning for another podcast. I am alone today, though. Uh, my co-host, Ricky Fuller, is not going to be in the studio for a little while. He is away. We are obviously home for the winter break, so we are going to try to figure out a way to um, <clears throat> maybe do this uh, through Zoom. And if we can't do it through Zoom, uh, we are. I'm just going to probably either go alone or get a friend from, from where I am here in Massachusetts to kind of fill in and be a co-host. Uh, I'm also on a new microphone today, so it may sound a little bit different. Um, but as opposed to being leaning into a microphone, I am lying back on a couch and just talking freely with my new uh, Blue Yeti mic. So we'll see how this does. Uh, I've tested it earlier and the sound is pretty great. So I'll see if that continues, but I'm, I'm liking my setup right now. I, I just kind of have to lay on a couch and just talk into the mic. So we'll see if, uh, we'll see if this works out. Um, anyway, we can dive right in here. Uh, I didn't do a show last week just cause I didn't think it was incredibly necessary. There wasn't a ton that was happening last week. Um, so I decided to just leave it. Um, uh, I, so I, I'll give you what my picks were last week. I only made two of them. Um, but a lot of the stuff that happened last week, like this, I'm obviously going to talk about today. Like the Rockets Wizards trade is the first thing on my agenda. And then we're going to get into the more recent stuff of, you know, last week's playoff, like even stuff like the Patriots Rams um, and how kind of awful that game was. But uh, per usual, we're going to start with the NBA today and we're just going to discuss the Rockets Wizards trade that just went on. So it was the, basically the John Wall for Russell Westbrook um, and then the pick for with John Wall in that trade. Uh, this one was weird because it, it, it didn't, it didn't, it looked weird at first. Like it, it didn't taste, it didn't taste great going down. Um, but then I think if you look at it again, it, it, it does make sense for both sides. I mean, these are both John Wall and Russell Westbrook are both players that have kind of deficiencies that they're, they're really unbelievable, explosive, uh, you know, great athletic point guards, but they have the deficiency in the sense that they can't shoot very well. They've, they've had problems with efficiency. And Russell Westbrook has had more of the problem with efficiency. Wallace had obviously more of the um, the issue with injury with his Achilles. Um, so it, it looked a little weird on the outset. But um, as kind of... Uh, as things went along, uh, I started to understand the trade more. And, and looking at the game last night, if anyone saw the preseason game... It was crazy uh, how well John Wall did, as well as DeMarcus Cousins. And we're going to get to DeMarcus Cousins later because I was saying that the Charlotte Hornets should have made a play for DeMarcus Cousins when they went in with Gordon Hayward. I wanted the Celtics. I wanted a bunch of teams to take a shot with DeMarcus Cousins because he is obviously a unbelievably accomplished center in the league that has had horrendous luck in terms of injuries. And uh, he's had attitude issues, I understand. But he's a guy that you don't need to pay a lot of money for, which I always love. And there's a ton of value to be found if he stays healthy. So, I mean, obviously this is a big stretch with one preseason game, but I don't know. I mean, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins made a serious case to James Harden last night. And James Harden's another one that we're going to get to. Um, but as for that trade, uh, it makes sense. It, it does. It makes sense for both teams. The Wizards, uh, it makes sense a lot for the Wizards because they have Bradley Beal who gets to stay happy. Uh, so they bring in a star there. Uh, Russell Westbrook's also perfect for a guy that you have a sharpshooter on because Russell Westbrook 
can drive and dish. That's what Russell Westbrook's really good at. He's been an underrated passer. Bradley Beal has even talked about that recently. He said that Russell Westbrook's passing is very underrated. I mean, when he can run the show, which Russell Westbrook likes to do, the team usually has success. We saw literally just him and Steven Adams pull an Oklahoma City Thunder team to the playoffs with pretty much no one around him. Now, add Bradley Beal to that mix, that's a competitive team, I think. And Russell Westbrook wants a situation where he can just kind of get a fresh start, a clean slate, play with another all-star. Like, that's that's a good deal for him. Um, and it made sense there. I can see that team being, you know, in an Eastern Conference where the Magic were the eighth seed last year with a losing record. I could definitely see them pulling over the top if they just add another piece or two. Um and it makes sense from the other side, too. Uh, they Obviously, there was tension with James Harden, and the Rockets had serious issues with you know, Harden and Westbrook clashing, which is, you're starting to see more of James Harden, James Harden's true colors kind of coming out, because this is now the second player that's been coming into his system that they just, they just can't seem to get along. And it's, it's starting to, this kind of, you know, wanting out now, and it's starting to show that maybe James Harden is not the best teammate to play with, and that's not a good thing you want in Houston. Uh, regardless, if you're the GM of the Rockets, you have to try to make it work, because you're not just going to give up James Harden for nothing. You can't do that. In fact, he's so good that you probably have to try to keep him and see what on earth you can do with him, because... The trade value for him is not going to be great. He's 31. You're just you're not going to get a suitable return from any team. You know, even if you're trading with a team like the Thunder's with this onslaught of draft pick and prospects, you're just not going to get something back that's that's of that value. So your best play, in my opinion, for Steven Silas is to do exactly what he's doing and to say, no, uh, we're not just going to trade you. We're going to see if we can get an unbelievably good deal. And if we can't, we're just going to roll. And that's exactly what they should do. And they brought in pieces to make it more enticing for James Harden. In a way, it's similar to the Giannis. They're, like, they're handling it similar to the Giannis situation where they have a star that's a little bit disgruntled. Instead of giving up and throwing in the towel and then trying to trade him, uh, which which you know is the option for some teams, they're trying to incentivize him to play. And they've put pieces around him and they've made moves. That seemed to be the right moves. I mean, I I watched that game last night. I would have to turn my head if I'm James Harden, seeing John John Wall and Demarcus Cousins play like that. I mean, they both played. I think uh, John Wall had 13 points and Demarcus Cousins had 14 points. I'm not looking at it, but they also the crazy thing about it is that it was preseason, so they played like 13 minutes apiece. It was like they each played 15 minutes of the game, and they basically averaged a point a minute, which is unbelievably good. Uh, so that's this is exactly what you should be doing if you're the Houston Rockets. You should just say, give give James Harden time, just you know, decompress whatever with the change. He is not he's under contract for the next two years. He is not going to just sit around. That's not what James Harden's gonna do. He like he's gonna he's gonna threaten to hold out, but he's not actually gonna do that. He's not gonna waste two years of his prime. So just hold on to him and just Send it all. What I think the Rockets should do now, which which they've been rumored to do, is um, go for Kevin Love and see if you can get a really good 3 and D kind of 4 that can rebound the ball. Uh, there's no point in the Cavs hanging on to Kevin Love. There's just no point. 
That's a deal that could make that could make a lot of sense on both sides and see if you can get John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins acclimated in this system and go for a title. Like that's that's what you should do. And then if you have to lose him in free agency, you lose him in free agency. Obviously, you're going to get this next year to see and you're going to get more information. So obviously take the year and then if you really still think he's going to leave, then you move him. Um, and even if you take a little less value, that's that's okay because you're still you're getting the benefit of seeing if you can even if you can compete at a really high level. Um, but Steven Silas is doing the absolutely right thing by hanging on to James Harden, not not being in a rush to trade him. He's he, James Harden's making an active effort to try to deplete his value so that when he gets traded to a team, that that team's not depleted. Um, and you just have to not care about that. And you have to understand that James Harden's not just going to throw away two years of his career, be patient, and still try to win. And that's what you should do. Um, so this is a trade that makes sense both ways. The first round pick, I mean, that's not going to amount to much. These are both going to be teams that are probably in the above half of their conference, the top half of their conference. So the pick's not going to mean much. It basically is a swap of very similar players, both with issues, that just want a new situations. It makes sense to me. Um, I, I liked it a little more from the Rockets' perspective, honestly, because I think they can you know, the way John Wall is looking, they could be a competitive team. And not saying that that's not true for the Wizards, but that's definitely a trade that works for both sides. So I was very pleased to see that. Um, yet, as for the teams that James Harden uh, want to go to, oh, I'm just seeing a report right now that James Harden is reporting to the Rockets camp late because of uh, COVID-19 clearance uh, protocols which is exactly what we want. I mean, James Harden, again, is not going to sacrifice two years of his career to just make this stink. To make this stink. It's not going to work. Um, but as for trade possibilities, let's say he does get traded. There are a bunch of teams that make sense on this list, and there are a bunch of teams that don't make sense. Obviously, if you can get him to the Milwaukee Bucks, that would be phenomenal. I've been a big sympathizer with the Bucks uh, with the Bogdan fallout. I did not want that. I thought that that was a dumb move by Bogdanovich to to, to to really try to swint, like get yourself out of that deal. I thought that was a shame. I thought he could have had a chance at a championship, and he let that go for money, which always just at my core bothers me. Um, but anyway, that that would be an unbelievable turnout to get James Harden to the Bucks. That'd be an unbelievable thing. Um, James Harden to the Sixers, I mean, that would definitely make sense. If they could have a deal where you could trade Ben Simmons and get James Harden, then you could put Harden and Embiid on the same team, that would be absurd too. I, I don't see the Rockets doing that. I mean, that would be, they would lose that deal in a landslide because Ben Simmons obviously has that massive, massive hole in his shooting. And people were saying that they might just get rid of him just to get rid of him, just because he's he could be taking down the future of the team by not really adapting to the modern NBA play. Um, so to trade that player, I, I understand the, the appeal because he's young and he's big, but to trade that player for James Harden, you know, to give up James Harden for that player, that doesn't make sense to me how, you know, Five months ago, we were talking, or three months ago, we were talking about how they they just got to get rid of Ben Simmons in any way, shape, or form. And now we're talking about a Ben Simmons for James Harden trade. That 
that's insane. The Rockets do that. They're completely foolish. Um, it doesn't make sense from either side. But, I mean, it would be unbelievable to see him play with the Sixers. That would be incredible. Um, the Obviously, my primary destination is that I want him to stay with the Rockets. I think that's the best place for him. I think we need more career players in the league to just stay with their team. I know he played a little bit at OKC, but it was really the Rockets were really James Harden's team, and I think it would be it w- it would be a little sad to see that to see that go away. Uh, obviously, the Nets have been rumored. the The Kyrie for James Harden trade is interesting, specifically just because it would benefit the Rockets because Kyrie is obviously way younger. Kyrie is like twenty six, and James Harden's thirty one. So there's a five year difference there. Which, which you got to like. Also, Kyrie is could fill in that point guard role perfectly. Um, obviously, now you have John Wall, so you would have to do something with him. Um, but he would be a decent piece that you could get back. I could actually see this trade working. But I also... I mean, that would be so funny. Because we're actually going to talk about Kyrie, early, Kyrie later. Uh, about kind of this diva mentality that he's always had, and now he's not talking to the media and whatnot. Uh, it would be so funny because Kyrie has like formulated this master plan to get with Kevin Durant and win all kinds of championships. Um, and he's swindled the Celtics and he swindled the Cavs, and he's just kind of destroyed, or I tried, he destroyed the Cavs, tried to destroy the Celtics. Um, just, just kind of wanting everything, you know. And remember when he left Cleveland, he wanted he wanted to have his own team, and then they gave him his own team in Boston, and that wasn't enough because players hated him. And so Kyrie's an issue. So I could see I could see the Nets potentially wanting to send him, and it just like there's there's an unease about doing it because if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you have a young stud. And you have him paired with Kevin Durant. If you add James Harden to the team, that's too much, obviously. That's too many personalities, too many ball-dominant players. I think they know that. And there's no point in in really making this change and just swapping because you're kind of getting a very similar player with an ego and a demand for the ball a lot. Um so I don't see a trade actually working out, but I think it would be hilarious because with Kyrie, obviously what I was saying earlier about making all these demands and kind of ruining ruining teams for being a diva, formulates this master plan to get to Brooklyn, and then that just gets erased because he gets dealt to a Rockets team that probably wouldn't do well with him would be hilarious to me, at least. Obviously, I'm a Celtics fan, so I'm not a Kyrie fan, but uh, that would be hilarious just to, just to see. Again, I don't see that deal getting done because... Probably Irving's too good of a prospect, and he's too young to to move for a 31 year old. And it, if you bring him in for not anything else, then it's too many mouths to feed. I think they have a smart thing going. Uh, they have a good thing going. Brooklyn in Brooklyn, where Katie and Kyrie like each other, and they're gonna form a very good like one three combo. Uh, and there's no need like don't don't bite the hand that feeds you basically. Um. I saw rumors about him going to the Celtics. That wouldn't make sense to me. I mean, add another wing. I, I just, that doesn't make sense. Um, going to the Raptors, I don't really like that. I don't think that ever happens. I don't think they have the pieces. Like, they're not going to do that for Fred Van Vliet. 
Um, that doesn't make sense to me. So the teams I would I would love to see him on would be the Sixers and the Bucks. Those are my two top teams that I'd like to see him on. Um, and then I just think that a, a, seeing James Harden with with the Brooklyn Nets uniform instead of Kyrie Irving would be hilarious. Um, but it's not like it wouldn't be the greatest thing in the world. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that develops. I, I seeing that James Harden is reporting to camp is very encouraging for the Rockets. It's kind of proof that Steven Silas is doing a good thing. Um, and he's, and he's being smart with that franchise. I feel bad for that coach. If James Harden makes an uproar, but I think he'll play again. He's not going to sacrifice two years of his career to make this, you know, strip club, you know, rebellious kind of stint to get out of his contract. It, it's starting to bother me that uh, players think that they can just get out of contracts. Uh, and speaking of contract, Paul George just signed a max five-year, $190 million deal with the Clippers, obviously to get financial security. Um, I think this is smart. I, I, I think it's smart from both teams. I, I don't, I was never a person that was on the Paul George didn't play well in the bubble, so bail on the whole operation. I, I was never on that train. I think the problem with the Clippers lie more with uh, Kawhi Leonard and the way he's being dealt with and coached and kind of put on this pedestal. And I think that's rubbing players the wrong way, including Montrez Harrell, who is now playing for their rival. I don't think it had anything to do with Paul George, honestly. I think Paul George is more than capable of being a number two option on a championship team, I think. Two years ago, we were having the conversation that said that he could potentially be a number one option on a championship team. Um, so having him is a, is a great, great thing. Also, Kawhi Leonard's not giving you any long-term security. You gave up a lot. You gave up a lot to get Paul George. And now you have him locked down and you have a long-term kind of net with him. Makes sense from Paul George's perspective of... You know, I don't know how long I'm going to be good. Injuries have played a toll in my career. Let's just get some security and stay put. And Paul George kind of needs to stay put because if Paul George backs out of this contract, he's going to have a horrible reputation because he keeps saying, I mean, I'm seeing all these memes everywhere on social media of like Paul George saying he wants, he's going to spend his whole career in Indiana. I don't want to go anywhere. And then he leaves, right? The second he can free agency, then he goes to Oklahoma City Thunder. He says, I want to spend the rest of my career here. I'm all about loyalty, blah, blah, blah. Boom, he goes to the GM and says he wants out, and then he gets traded. Now he says it again, right? It's, if, if he doesn't hold it up here, then everything he says is going to fall on deaf ears. And players do this all the time now. I mean, Kyrie did it all the time. Kevin Durant did it in Oklahoma City where he was trashing players for leaving uh, for more for greener pastures and then did the same exact thing to the absolute extreme with the Warriors move. It, it happens all the time, but I think... <laughs> If you do it for a third time, that's that's a bit much. I think that's a that's a bit much, and you got to start <laughs> to get some sort of stability there. So I, I thought that was a good move for the Clippers just to lock him down because I don't think you're getting much security from Kawhi Leonard at any point. I think he's just going to be the guy that signs these two-year deals, two-year deal, two-year deal with player option, player option, just all about Kawhi Leonard, and then at some point he's going to sign a massive deal. Um, so good move there by the Clippers to at least sure up one of these one of these kind of loose ends and then you can start trying to make amends with Beverly and some of these other guys that were driven the wrong way by the treatment of Kawhi Leonard but again they got a new coach things can turn I do not jump from this Clippers ship they they could very well win this title next year so do not shy away 
the loss of Harrell is significant, but Harrell could be replaced if you find the right person, and they've already been doing that. Um, great move here by the Clippers to lock down Paul George. Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk about NBA was Mr. Kyrie Irving already making headlines in Brooklyn, saying he doesn't want to talk to Pons. He's above the media. He knows better. I, I don't understand why Kyrie Irving... Like, why don't you just play pickup then at local parks? Like, I just don't understand... The media makes him famous and gives him this massive platform and gives him loads of money. The reason that's true is because of these TV deals and the ability for people to connect with you on platforms that you know that the media gives you with all these you know TV stuff and everything. And and then he does nothing but craps on them. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. Uh, and it seems like these fines, <laughs> these are going to charities that Kyrie Irving likes. So it's like, it's not even a punishment. Like he's getting fined, but Kyrie already has a bunch of, you know, he's started the good, the good thing about Kyrie Irving is that he has made a lot of contributions to these charities. Um, my thing is you, you have to, when you're this disrespectful to the media all the time, you have to punish that because that's part of your job and that's part of your contract. And that's kind of what you sign up for. You know, if you don't want to deal with the media and all this stuff, you can choose to play in other leagues where it's not not really a thing. But he chose it, and then he trashes it. So it's like he wants his cake and can eat, and and wants to be able to eat it too. And now the punishment is that he gets to donate some of his money to charities that he likes. Well, that's not really a punishment. That's what Kyrie liked to do anyway. So I mean, it's good that it's going to a good cause, but. You, you, don't you have to punish someone for violating a contract at some point? You know, I don't, I don't get that. And, and just, just at a principal level of this guy, I mean, he's just a head case. This is just what he is, you know, and any, it's a shame, but any locker room that's taking this guy on is, is in the situation where they feel like they have to deal with him. You know, they have to deal with Kyrie Irving and all the other stuff just so they can get his talent. And it's a shame because he could be a really, really good player and a really, really strong asset to a lot of teams if he could just just present himself well. And, and that's the other thing that they were saying on first take, which is absolutely right, which was it, it looks like you're afraid. It, it looks like you're afraid to face the music a little bit and that you know you're not going to present yourself well, so you're going to avoid it all together it, it's it's very cowardly i think um the media obviously plays such a big part in everything that he's been able to do with all the money and all the all, you know in creating this massive platform for him and it's a sh- it is a shame as Windhorse was saying that he can't really see that but again this is what we're used to from Kyrie Irving we're used to these kind of absurd we don't need coach comments and you know you all are pawns, you know, this is, this is not the first time. So we, we know what we're getting here. Uh, it's just a shame that he, he continues to make the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Uh, but that's, that's pretty much all I got for the NBA. Um, for the NFL, we got a bunch of news. Uh, I'm seeing on the TV right now, all this Jalen Hurts buzz. Uh, I think this is the right move. Uh, Jalen Hurts is now going to be starting for the, for the uh, Eagles, I think I think it's about time. I, I think Carson Wentz has 
had his time in the sun. More than that, I mean, I would say. he's They've stuck with him for a while now, and he has continued to just underperform in, in important games, and he's in an e- incredibly weak Eastern Conference, or NFC East Conference, and can't really win games, despite it. And I think it makes sense <laughs> that they're kind of pulling the plug on this, and I think Jalen Hurts could come in and add an element and give the offense a little excitement, the fact that he can really run. I mean, my, one of my objections early on, I've, I've never been able to call Carson Wentz correctly because in the beginning of the year, I was telling I was telling people that he was a terrible quarterback, and he was for a little while, and then he became great for a brief period, and they still were losing games, but he was playing great. And then I said I was wrong about Carson Wentz, and then he's gone back to this terrible, inefficient slinger of a quarterback that just turns the ball over a ton and use like the, the real problem with Carson Wentz is that he, it seems like right now he wants to be a mobile quarterback I've, I've seen him do it all the time where he can't find someone open and instead of trying to lead someone into an open spot or, or throw someone open as quarterbacks often say he just tries to run which is not <laughs> uh not the ideal scenario for the Philadelphia Eagles because uh, he's not very fast, basically, and he doesn't have great ball security, and that's just that's not where you want the direction of the team to go. It also doesn't work for the team because Carson Wentz has had a bad habit of getting down in a lot of these games, and then when you're down, you can't use Miles Sanders very much, who is probably your best offensive weapon. Um, so this is I think this is the right move. This team needed a change. They've been stagnant for so long. And they've really haven't been able to have any success in a really weak, weak conference where you're not playing anyone of real talent. Um, we'll get to this kind of rise of the NFC East, though, in a minute because there has been some very, very weird developments been going on there where they're all of a sudden starting to deciding to play football and really compete um, with the New York football giants. But... Um, yeah, I, that was definitely the right move there by Peterson getting rid of Carson just to try something different. Um, and then, you know, you'll you'll be able to see uh, if you kind of gotten the ceiling here on, on Carson Wentz. You know what the guy can do. You know he's not going to be able to do. You don't know what, what you're going to get out of Jalen Hurts. If he comes in there and he's phenomenal and he adds that kind of mobile element, then that team's in good shape. So uh, we'll see what they do. But I think that was the, definitely the right move by Peterson. Um Moving on, I, I saw an article of uh, uh, Richard Sherman wanting or is just, you know, basically knows he's not going to stay with the Niners. I, I'm worried about the Niners at this point. I Ricky obviously would love to be here to talk about them, but this is getting bad. I mean, they, they, they actually have so much talent that they're just having to give it away, basically. Um, and... I worry that they've missed their window here because they had a lot, a lot of talent. They're going to have to pay Nick Bosa. They're going to have to pay Mostert. They're going to have to pay a bunch of players. And they're going to have to let people go. I mean, they're going to have to pay Fred Warner. And they already had to let DeForest Buckner go, who's killing it on the Colts, which as a defense now that's kind of centered around him and Darius Leonard. And they're playing great football. And... Now they're probably going to lose their number one corner in Richard Sherman, which is obviously a massive hit to them because they can't afford it. And it, it makes sense to me. Like, you, you're you not going to pay a 30... How old is Richard Sherman? Uh, let me just find out really quickly. Um, but he's not young. I know that. 
Um, and this team might be getting weaker. And then Jimmy G, 32. Uh, Jimmy G's, they might not be. They may not want to pay. So I've I've heard trade rumors of Jimmy Garoppolo, and there's there's just really weird things going on in this organization. I I've never heard of a of a sprained ankle that takes nine weeks. Um, very very weird things. He came in at certain points this year and and looked great, and then came in and looked terrible and looked hurt and um. So. I guess I think a lot of what the Niners' future is going to be is going to be based on what Jimmy Garoppolo can do in these last couple games here because I think he's going to return for Week 16 or Week 15. And if he does that, then the Niners will have a couple of games to see if this guy really is the real deal. And if he's if he's just a mediocre quarterback that gets hurt a lot, then all of a sudden he's not worth his money and might be out the door. And then you don't have a quarterback. So... We'll see what they do, but I have a little bit of worry uh, in my gut if I'm a Niners fan right now, having to, you know, potentially have to give up your number one corner when you've just given up your number one D tackle. Um, and they've drafted well. They got Kinlaw, which was really good. Um, and they've worked hard to get some receivers back. But again, that's not looking, uh, not looking. There's a little bit of worry in me with the uh, San Francisco 49ers moving forward. Um, Patriots also played last night. I told you I was going to get to this. And they looked terrible. Now, I, I thought this was a terrible matchup going in just because the Rams have a very good front seven. We know that they have an unbelievable run defense with Aaron Donald and Brockers. Um, and they showed up to the highest degree. I mean, the Patriots are in some trouble now. I mean, this is pretty much it. I don't see them making the playoffs now. The doors are closed on that. They dropped below 500 uh, for the first time, and I can't, you know, playing more than 12 games. I can't remember the last time Belichick has played more than 12 games and had a losing record. Um, and this is, I mean, this is clearly on Cam Newton. I mean, people are saying that we need to get receivers, and I get, I get the whole... We need to give him someone to play with element of this. But, I mean, our quarterback had 119 yards and a pick, and that was his stat line. The, the Patriots have great success when Cam Newton throws under 30 passes, and they have great they fail when he throws more than 30 passes. He Cam Newton has just has so many issues. The, they don't trust him. You, you can, it's clear here. I mean, there was a first and goal on the Rams' like four-yard line. And they had four tries to get into the end zone, and they ran the ball every single time. And that's what the Patriots should be doing, because when Cam Newton has thrown the ball this year, it hasn't looked good. Uh, blame that on whoever you want. They haven't had phenomenal weapons, but I thought Myers and Bird and these guys have been getting some separation. And at a certain point, you know, Cam Newton's got to release the ball, and Cam holds the ball way too long in the pocket, which makes it hard on your O-lineman, and then his release time is crazy. Like, his throwing motion is weird. He seems hurt again. Um, I I don't... They got they got to move on from him. It, it just, it's just not going to work. Uh, the only way that this could work is if they get two phenomenal receivers. And if you don't... And they're obviously not going to do that. So, you got to get someone that can... Create that can throw someone open, which is going to be guys like Jimmy G if they make a move there. 
that would be very interesting to see Jimmy Garoppolo come back to New England. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Crazier things have happened. Um, especially if he comes back in the last couple games and doesn't play well. I bet Belichick tries to take a shot at him. Uh, the other rumored thing to happen is have Matt Stafford come in and be the quarterback, which would also be very interesting and I think would work. Um, but I don't know if Bill Belichick will be willing to give up a first-round draft pick. But it's you can see the struggle when when you're not guaranteed this <coughs> amazing quarterback. <laughs> Things are going awry for you. <coughs> a lot harder to win games. But I think it's pretty clear that Cam Newton is not the guy to get them out of this hole. Uh, the Patriots will be better next year when a lot of their interior defense comes back. But it's just weird to see that the New England Patriots are, you know, there's a 99% chance that the New England Patriots will not be making the playoffs this year. And it's just weird to stomach. But it is what it is. Um, I wanted, to, yeah, I also wanted to talk a little bit about the. Uh, NFC East all of a sudden getting these upsets. I mean, Joe Judge, Ricky was talking about this the other day. I know he concurs with me on this point, but uh, Joe Judge is really impressing a lot of people. And <clears throat> he's he's doing a lot with a little right now. He's got a quarterback, Daniel Jones, that is not good by any stretch. He's got They traded away all their good pieces on defense. They lost their starting running back. They had injuries all over the place. This is a this is not a good football team. And right now they are winning that NFC East. This is an unbelievably good sign for your co-tire of Joe Judge. And it was weird to see what the Giants were doing when they brought in Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens and Joe Judge, who had never coached, who had never even coordinated before. <clears throat> but whatever they're doing, they should keep doing it because that defense looks like it's the real deal. Like, the real deal? And I don't even know who they have. Like, I, I could barely name you two players in the defense if I tried. And I know I know that they have some receiving options, which helps Daniel Jones a little bit. But they beat the Seattle Seahawks, who are 8-3. and three, Very deep playoff team. And they beat them. And they didn't even have Daniel Jones. That is unbelievable. That is an unbelievable win. For the New York Giants, and that's like four straight. So they've figured something out here with their identity. Um, and the Washington football team also getting a massive win. I cannot believe that that was the Steelers' first loss of the season. Came to the Washington football team. I know that that D line is great, but they've they've figured something out themselves. Alex Smith is like three and one, and I think this team is kind of thriving under him. So, I'm happy to see, like, it'd be one thing if the NFC East was, if they were beating bad teams, then then I wouldn't even be talking about them. But they, they just beat a couple of great teams, which is very exciting for the NFL because it makes that division interesting all of a sudden. And now with the quarterback change, it seems like the Eagles are in it to win it. <clears throat> even though they have even though they have terrible records and comparatively they're pretty pretty bad compared to the rest of the teams in the league. It still makes that a, it still adds an element of fun to that because you really don't know who's going to win. We have two teams that are five and seven. Dallas is looking improved under Dalton. I mean, these are all bad teams, but very. Uh, it, I'm glad that there's now an element of fun there because that division was really rough to watch for a long time, 
and it's it's I'm I'm happy to see some of this positive momentum and and just something good happen to Giants fans who I know a lot of and as much as I hate the Giants, they they deserve a break like this, uh, with with how much bad luck they've been getting in recent years, um, and the other kind of last general news NFL thing I wanted to talk about was Taysom Hill getting his third win, proving by the day. That he is, in fact, worth his money. And, I mean, this is still probably an overpay. I mean, they're paying the guy $16 million a year. But if he can if he can fill in for Drew Brees and win four football games, four, that's, that is worth almost the entire contract right there. That you have a tight end that can run, that can come in at running back, that can come in at tight end, wide receiver, that you also put in special teams, and then that you can just plug in at quarterback and win four football games with. Like that's that's pretty unbelievable. Uh, there's a lot of Taysom Hill doubters, and again, this was not something that needed to work for a 16 game season. This is something that needed to work for a four game stretch, and Taysom Hill ended up being the perfect option because if you would put Jameis Winston in that spot. All kinds of teams have they they have film on, on James Winston. They've seen him play for years in Tampa Bay. Taysom Hill, though, they have no idea. They had no idea what they were to, what to expect. The, the Atlanta Falcons were stumped again. Um, now this 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 previous game was a little more defensive, <coughs> which is to be expected when you kind of when you know when you just play the team two weeks ago and can use that game. But, I mean, other than that, Taysom Hill's put up more than 20 points in each of his last three games, in his last three starts. Uh, and I have to say, I think the Saints are going to win again with him. Because I just think, what I what I don't understand is that they're not using the run game as much as they used to, and they need to get back to it. But they're playing the Eagles. It's a very, very winnable game. Um, Darius Slay are good to go, too. So, I guess the... Uh, Eagles have, have gotten a little more healthy with Slay and Cox coming back into the fold. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is unbelievable play by Taysom Hill that we're seeing. Just just versatility to the highest degree. And it's just crazy. Um, to it, It's just nice for Sean Payton to be rewarded because this was unquestionably a bold move. And it is totally paying off. Um, and I think one or two more weeks of Taysom Hill here will be it for him. But good for Sean Payton, good for Taysom. Saints are continuing to roll. Again, I would say that you should use Alvin Kamara more. Just because Taysom Hill can run doesn't mean you should just ignore him. Um, but unbelievable job here by the Saints. That, those games are so fun to watch. I don't know if you guys have been tuning into them. But I always am entertained by Taysom Hill when he hits the, hits the field. Because he literally is just... He's not even. I don't even give him a position. I just say that this guy's just a football player, and that's just who he is—a football player. Um. Anyway, uh, I think we are ready for my picks of the week, and my picks of the week are gonna be. Oh yeah, the two I got. I well, I got one right, one wrong last week. I took the Jaguars plus ten against the Vikings. That was very. I mean, the Vikings ended up winning the game, but they obviously didn't cover. I th- I always thought that that was a lot of points to give. Um, and I got one game wrong. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, I may not even remember, but let me see. It's Cowboys. Going through the charts right now. Um, 
I think I took the Texans over the Colts, who honestly had a chance to win with that horrible fumbled snap, ruined everything. Um, but anyway, I got my picks of the week all set up. And the first uh, pick that I've got here is the Steelers, who are getting plus one over the Bills, which I thought was shocking. Uh, again, I think the Bills are a really good football team, but I'm just, I just, first of all, um, James Conner's returning to the Steelers, which is going to be huge because Big Ben's going to trust that he can run the ball. Um, and I just, I, I'm still, I've, I've said this all along. I'm not sold in this Bills team. I don't think that they're complete. I think that they have, you know, one good receiver in Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, who's having a pretty good year. But I don't trust their ability to run the ball, and they're going to face a real, real state-of-the-art pass defense and run defense just all around. This is not going to be an easy game for Buffalo. They're not just going to be able to throw the ball deep and get John Brown on a streak and get cheap points. They're going to have to grind. Um, and with the Steelers getting James Conner back, I, they're just going to be able to ground and pound. This The, the Bills defense has been playing better. Um, I, I was looking at something that said that in the last six weeks, the Bills DVOA has, has gone up in ranking significantly. Um but I just think, I mean, the Steelers are the better team, and and you're you're getting the ability to get a straight up bet here, where there's, re- in fact, you're getting one. The Bills are the underdog, or the Steelers are the underdog here. Very rarely do you see that. I I think this is a another. Just take the good team. Just take the better team. Uh, I get the, I get it. They're away, uh, but prime time game. I like Big Ben. Um, I see Big Ben having a really nice game in that. Uh, Ravens and Browns is another one. Uh, I'm taking Ravens here. Uh, Ravens are favored by two points. I understand it. I uh, that's that's a low spread, so you're basically just picking a winner there with a spread that low, unless you get really unlucky. Um, this is just again, Baltimore. The the the, the Browns are going to be able to run the ball, but the Ravens have done a good job containing the run for most teams. They're not phenomenal, but they've done a very good job. They're top ten, containing running backs to to, to you know hundred yards and and something like a touchdown. And then you're gonna have to rely on Baker Mayfield to go off again, which I don't trust. Also, just in in a scenario, this is kind of a must win game for the Ravens. I mean, if the Ravens go to seven and six, I don't. That's not going to be great for their playoff implications. They're also getting Mark Andrews back against a team that really struggles to cover the tight end. Which I mean, Mark Andrews is the Ravens' number one option, and then it's Marquise. So in that sense, I can see Andrews having a huge game uh, and have the middle of the field open. And for the multi sets of tight ends that the Ravens love, it the the Browns have phenomenal D line, but their linebackers have really lacked in in pass coverage. I think that matches up great for the Ravens because the Ravens are obviously very tight end heavy. They love using him. They lost Nick Boyle this year, which was a shame. Um, but remember, this team used to do three tight end sets. They love throwing in the middle of the field. Having Lamar, everyone back healthy, all their running backs back healthy away from this COVID stuff, I can definitely see <clears throat> under a f- full week, an extra day of practice, the Ravens beating the Browns, upsetting them in terms of record, but just holding court in terms of Vegas. Must win situation. I like the Ravens in that. And for the same reasons, I like the Raiders plus three over the Colts. Uh, I know that the Ravens had a the Raiders had a really tough game, 
they played the Jets and barely won on one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen uh, with that corner trying to pick it off, try to cut him off or something under the route, which was the dumbest play I've ever seen. Um, but the Raiders are pretty streaky, and they they like to play. They'll, they'll play up to their opponents. I mean, they, they played the Kansas City Chiefs this year, and they brought it to them both games. They're very, very capable. Um, very, very capable team. And, and they're home in this game. They're also getting that three. Instead of the two points, you're getting that third point, which gives you the field goal. This is a must-win game. The Raiders are 7-5. and five. They're trying to get into the playoff push. The Colts have a little bit more security. Um, this is a must-win game for the Raiders. They're going to be ready for this. Um, it's going to be a very interesting one, but I, I, just, I, I think this is going to be a very close game. Oakland's at home. I like the field goal here. I think it's going to be great. Um, it's going to be very, very important for betters. Uh, but that's those are my three picks this week. I went one for one out of two last week. I'm still around 50% for the year. Uh, but we'll see if we can get a little above. Maybe get two or three this week. <clears throat> this year I've yet to get all three. I've been very close a couple of times. But never quite hit it, so we'll see what I can do. But um, that's going to do it here on, uh, on playing the field uh, for this week. Um, there should be another podcast next week. If not, there will definitely be one in two weeks, but yeah, every Friday or Saturday, you know where to find us. Keep tuning in, keep getting updated on your sports knowledge. We will see you guys right back here next week on playing the field. Adios.